Find your next truck at Woodhouse Buick GMC. No matter where you're heading or what tasks need tackling, there's a premium and capable GMC truck that's perfect for you. Make a statement on the job site, out in the town, or wherever life leads you in the powerful and distinctive Sierra 1500. Or elevate your driving experience in the adventurous and innovative canyon. Explore our inventory online at WoodhouseBuickGMC.com or visit our indoor showroom today. Woodhouse Buick GMC. We are professional grade. This is America with Rich Valdez, powered by PolitiWeek.com. And Rich Valdez is with us, former Christie administration official. You worked for Chris Christie, you've been in politics, a lot of public service stuff. Rich Valdez, columnist now with the Washington Times. This is America. This is America with your host, Rich Valdez. All right, America, I am Rich Valdez, Valdez with an S, your liberty-loving Latino amigo right here in New York City. And man, what a day yesterday. We're going to get into everything that happened at the Capitol, the president's statement acknowledging a peaceful transition of power, and of course, the sad, sad, tragic death of the young female Air Force veteran that was killed inside the Capitol yesterday. It is a sad day for America, in my opinion, while, of course, we do have a new president, as per Congress, Joe Biden has been certified as the 46th president of the United States. President Trump has released a statement. Now, the statement was not in the form of a tweet from the president because, well, because Twitter decided to blacklist him. And take him off of Twitter. And they stopped him from actually being able to talk to his constituents because, you know, he is president until the 20th at noon. But that wasn't enough because they said, you know what, the president's a dangerous guy. He's inciting violence. New York Times says Trump incites mob. Now, while it's true that yesterday there was violence, I don't believe they were incited by Trump. Now, some people look at me and they say, oh, but Rich, how could you say that they weren't incited by Trump? And I'm going to say, you know what? So many movements have a radical fringe. And these people take residence wherever they can find it. Kind of like a big city. You go to a suburb, you don't see too many homeless people. But when you see something robust, the hustle and the bustle, New York City, you're always going to find homeless people. One of my favorite places to vacation is South Beach, Miami. I like South Beach. I like Collins Avenue. I like Ocean Drive. I love the restaurants. I love the Clevelander. And... And of course, I love wet willies. If you've been down there, you know what I'm talking about. But when you're there, everything is lovely by day. You see celebrities and Ferraris and convertibles, and it's lovely. And then the the sun goes down, the night falls upon us. And what happens? Oh, yeah, there's nightlife and all that. But you see all sorts of homeless people sleeping in the sand on the beach because they have a homeless problem. Because, again, where you have a robust and big hustle and bustle of a big city like Miami or like New York City or like LA, downtown LA, filled with homeless people, you're going to get this fringe element that try to thrive off of of what the energy that's going on. And you're going to have that here. And I've come out against that stuff from the early beginning, maybe not too vocally on the air, but definitely on social media. All the people that love the internet chat boards And said things like, oh, mass arrests are going to happen. They're putting Hillary in jail. They're putting Obama in jail. They're putting this one in jail and that one in jail. And I said, you don't understand how this works. Now, I'm not here to do a night's hold you so. But I am hoping that people, if you listen to me and you believe in a lot of that stuff, I'm not saying it's fake. 
I'm saying there's rules to the game. If you're in a boxing match with somebody and you're going back and forth with them, what does it matter if they have a PhD or if they had a background as a, I don't know, somebody that was in rehab for drugs and lived on the streets and had a really sordid past? It doesn't matter. What matters is their speed, their agility, their skills with their hands and their understanding of the techniques in the ring. And that's what you're defending against, the punch that's coming at your face. So, it doesn't matter what is really happening inside of that person, whether their dog died or whether they just got married, whether they're really sad, whether they're really happy. If they're really sad or they're angry, they might be a little more aggressive, but you may be able to use that to your advantage. Think of judo, right? People come at you full force, you move out of the way, you you know, shifting of the weight. So, the point that I'm making is all of the inner workings of how the swamp and political corruption work are critical and key to understanding how we survive in politics and how the country actually functions. And kudos to everybody who's tried to put it on display and educate the people around them because that's important. But for one second to think that a massively strong establishment that controls the military is going to play second fiddle to somebody that is anonymous on an internet chat board, you have got to be kidding yourself because you're not kidding me. You've got to be kidding yourself if you think that you're going to be allowed to claw your way into the United States Capitol and not face repercussions. And my condolences, really, honestly, heartfelt condolences, when I heard that a young woman died, you know, I have two teenage daughters. My my oldest daughter is going to be 20 years old this year. I think of her as, you know, a younger version of me in many ways. She's she's very free-spirited. She's all about her liberty. She's a bright kid. And I was really risk-averse as a young man. I'm still risk-averse now, believe it or not. I'm more conservative, but I do stupid things now as an adult. And I, I realize those are all real things. And God bless her for her service to this country. And I actually was planning on getting to this in the next segment. But it pained me to see what I saw. To see blood gushing out of that young lady. Out of her chest, out of her neck. It was gruesome. It was horrifying. And God forbid it should ever happen. But it did. And I had to think to myself, would I have advised my kid to do that? As a dad, would I have, just like the guy, um, Mr. Kenosha. Anybody remember his name? Kid with the AR-15 and the Jacob Blake. Uh, anyway, while Mr. Jizzle looks that up and my mind draws a blank, I think of myself, you know, I'm, I'm a dad and I think of, of this as my child. And I say, you know what? Would I tell my kid to go and be a Kyle Rittenhouse? To go out there and risk it all? Some parents go, hell yeah, America! All right, you know what? Not me. I'm going first. I'm not going to put my kid in harm's way. Now, if your kid's a grown person and they want to do what they want to do, you can't stop them. I get it. And God bless her for, you know, really standing up for what she believed in. She's a patriot and she served this country. But as a veteran, I know that she knows that when you storm into, and this is not storming into like the door was open and I walked past the guard or kind of snuck sideways by the guard. This is locked doors being broken with chairs and the violent push of 15, 20 people that at least that I could see in the video. And what you cannot see in the video is on the other side of this door that they're trying to crash through. And make no mistake, 
when I heard a buddy of mine from Michigan calls me, he goes, bro, you see what's going on? I was like, oh, yeah, they're walking to Capitol Hill. And he goes, nah, bro, they're inside. They're on the House floor. And I said, wow, that's glorious. <laughs> and my, you know, in my naivete of what was going on in the moment and my ignorance of the real facts, when I saw the video of people, both Trump supporter and Antifa alike, crashing their way through the door, and on the other side of that door, no doubt, was a Capitol Police officer that was faced with a violent mob of 15 or 20 people that were doing everything to breach the security of the United States Capitol. Put yourself in the shoes of that cop. Now, the Internet spreads a lot of false theories. A lot. And I've been arguing with a, a family member of mine for a long time. Half the stuff that you believe there, all this patriot, this and that, a lot of that stuff is either coming from Iran, China, or Russia. Trying to get in your head, trying to get you to divide and conquer America from the, from the inside. To rot us from the inside out. However, all that being said, I'm not going to send my kid to go knock down the doors of the Capitol. And had I been there yesterday, I would have participated in, in the rally part and I would have participated in the march. I wasn't going to sit there and break down doors knowing that there's a cop on the other side. I went to the police academy for a little while in New Jersey to be a volunteer. My brother served on the job here in New York City. Both of them have had to shoot people. My nephew's on the job here in New York City. I understand what it's like. I, I understand the laws of use of force. You have 15 people coming at you trying to break the glass, the only thing separating you from them and you. What do you think they're going to do to you if they're destroying the glass and the door? They're going to destroy you. You're full well within your rights to pull your weapon and hold them back. This guy fired one shot that we saw. It took her out. She fell to the floor. A few came to her aid and everybody else scattered like cockroaches. The, his training worked. And it's unfortunate that we have to defend a situation like this. But it's unfortunate that it happened. I think this is a Capitol Police officer that's taken the same oath that both you and I have taken to uphold both local laws and as well as the Constitution of the United States. And when you see somebody crawling through a broken hole that they physically made and they're just coming right through and you know that through your radio that there's hundreds of people climbing the walls, climbing the scaffolding and that the Capitol's under siege, I don't think that that was outside of the realm of reason. And I would bet, I'm not a betting man, but I would bet nothing is going to happen to that officer. I can't sit here and condone, let's go and break into the place because we feel like it. Now, the uh, other part of this that I want to talk about is how the media has been so disgraceful. And this is nothing new. They've done this for a long time. A long, long time. This is one of those things where, you know, you got people that just hate America. They hate everything that's good about this country. They hate the free market. They hate free speech. They hate the family. They hate the flag. They hate our founding. Because they were taught to hate. They don't see the good. They look at foreign places like Nicaragua. I have a friend in Nicaragua that, that was deported from here, from the United States, because he was brought here as a kid. Was illegal, a legal, not illegal, a legal resident. Came, papers, all that stuff. Grew up in a good home, but decided... Life wasn't interesting enough and that he wanted to, to live out this bad boy fantasy. Always had the nicest sneakers, was co-captain of the basketball team, lived in a house with both his parents. Good guy, still a good guy, still my friend. 
But he wanted to go sell crack in Jersey City. He wanted to be muscle for a, a pimp and hoe operation in Jersey City. We were all thinking going to college. I was opening a business as teenagers. That was what he went to do. And he went and did it. And he, you know, got some street cred and finally got caught up in the mess, got robbed a couple of times at gunpoint, different things, got locked up in and out, built up his street cred as a real thug. And eventually he gets locked up again. Now big charge and they go, oh, you know what? This is one of those that may have federal implications. So check this out. Here's the deal. You are going to be deported only after you serve four years here in the United States. So he did his four years, did some federal time, and then for his crack possession, gets sent back to Nicaragua. And he tells me, bro, 300, and this was about three years ago, about 300 people were killed over the weekend. And I go, wow, 300 people killed over the weekend? Why? And he says, they disagreed with the current president. It's like a political protest. And they sent the army out, and these guys just took them out right in the streets. 300 people shot dead. Because remember, Daniel Ortega led the Sandinistas back in the 80s. This is a communist movement in Nicaragua. And yet you have people here in the United States that see that, that know that. People like Bill El Bobo de Blasio, the mayor of New York City. This guy worked with these people, helped them to perpetuate their communism in Nicaragua, and is now slowly bringing that which what he knows into New York City. And it's a disgrace. So yeah, it comes as no surprise to me when former veterans of the United States are standing up for what they believe is right, for the America that they love and the America that they know and the America they want to have for their children. And they get in the way of this. So this is, I'm not blaming this woman. I'm just saying, I don't think the cop was outside of his right to do what he had to do. Especially when you're in the United States Capitol and the stakes are a little bit higher there. We're just getting started. So keep it locked right there. I am Rich Valdez, Valdez with an S on all social media. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast and don't move a muscle. We will be right back. This is America. The call screener, who is a budding radio star, by the way. Richie Valdez is terrific. All right, America, welcome back. I am Rich Valdez, Valdez with an S on all social media. And make sure you subscribe. We're doing a lot of things on Rumble, so check out our Rumble channel and subscribe to that. We're talking about everything that happened yesterday, and I want to jump right into this because there's a lot going on. But first, check this out. If I tomorrow decide to say I'm going to take my riches and I'm going to donate them or invest them, rather said, with my buddy Dan Bongino, and I'm going to become a partner in Rumble or a partner in Parler to uh, conservative-leaning social media platforms, and I feel like saying tomorrow, hey, you know what? I don't like these guys. They're a bunch of libs. They're a bunch of progressive a-holes. We're going to censor them. We don't want them on this platform. Who's going to stop me? Nope. That's right. Nobody. Now, I don't think I would do that because I really do invite a dissenting opinion. Look, half the calls today are disagreeing with me, and that's fine. I don't mind that because to me, I think we have to talk things out to really understand where we are. But something that you said that to me makes all the sense in the world, Vic, was that it was the media. And the media to me, uh, and yeah, you could say I'm part of the media, but I believe as a broadcaster and talk radio, we are, you know, that, that, element that is still free. I come in here and I do whatever I want. There's no morning meeting like uh, CNN Zucker has where he tells the producers and whoever, and oh, you're going to talk about this. Nobody's ever told me what to talk about. Ever. Ever. And honestly, I probably wouldn't be on if they did because I'd be like, what the hell? 
I, this is my show. I want to talk about what I want to talk about. So point being, we still have that freedom to talk about what we're doing and make it an open platform so everybody can chime in. And of course, there's FCC regulations and all of that. But the bottom line is the media. And when I talk about the media, I'm talking about the press, you know, the print, the journalists, like the one uh, the woman Patricia was talking about earlier when she was saying that they take an oath to do what's right. The problem is I think they may be taking this oath, but they think it's empty. They think that their real solemn duty is to become activists, to right a wrong. And if they perceive the president as being wrong, they have to change the president. If they perceive America and its founding as not being good and holy and they see it as being bad and evil, they're going to say, you know, we got to change the founding. Get rid of 1776. Bring in 1619. Let's get rid of everything that once was. And this is part of the issue to me. When you hate America and you hate everything that America stands for, these are the problems that arise. Now, President Trump aptly put it yesterday that the media will black you out. And that's what he did when he, you know, when you said that, you know, he was a little late to the dance. They were blocking his video from going out. I tried to share it on Twitter. I could barely do that. I had to make a copy of it and and send it out to the people on my social media platform so they could hear what the president had to say, where he said, go home and go home peacefully. And maybe we could play that later. But the the main point that I want to make right now is that they blocked him from sharing a message of peace. Now, with respect to doing a drive-by in Air Force One or Marine One or whatever, you, when the Capitol's under attack and you don't know who these people are and four pipe bombs or three pipe bombs were found and one actually was uh, a, a device that had a detonator on it, you don't bring the president out and put him in the air and just put him on display. You hide him. You bring him somewhere safe. You get him out of the scene. So there was no way the president was going to be able to come out and tell people, all right, folks, take it easy. Calm down. There's uh, definitely... Uh, No need to climb the walls of the Capitol and break in. It just isn't something that's going to happen. But I want you to listen to the president uh, yesterday at the rally talking about the media. What we have to go through and you have to get your people to fight. And if they don't fight, we have to primary the hell out of the ones that don't fight. You primary them. We're going to we're going to let you know who they are. I could already tell you, frankly. But this year, using the pretext of the China virus and the scam of mail-in ballots, Democrats attempted the most brazen and outrageous election theft. And there's never been anything like this. It's a pure theft in American history. Everybody knows it. That election, our election, was over at 10 o'clock in the evening. We're leading Pennsylvania, Michigan, Georgia, by hundreds of thousands of votes. And then late in the evening or early in the morning, boom, these explosions of bull****. There you go. Explosions of bull****. Now, I think the, the president is spot on here. I saw that happen, and that's how I saw it happen. Not because he told me, because that's literally what I saw. I was with a colleague of mine, uh, several colleagues of mine. We were having the WABC election night uh, extravaganza, if you will, and watching the results come in on a big screen, very social distance, big, big room. And I thought to myself when I left, and I left a lot later than 10 o'clock at night, and I said, you know what, this is looking good. President's been solid since 10 p.m. I think I left around 1, 1, 1 1.30 in the morning. Woke up, nightmare. And that's how they do it. Now, some could say, oh, but Rich, come on. You can't really believe all that. You're kidding me, right? I mean, you're a smart guy. How could you fall for that? Oh, my gosh. Whomever I'm having that conversation with has never run for public office. I have. I've been kicked out of a polling location while I was on the ballot. That means I'm allowed inside the polling location because I get to be a poll watcher and a poll challenger because I'm the candidate. I was kicked out by a mayor in Union City, New Jersey. 
by threatening me with arrest from the police as if they were his own goon squad. I said, I'm not going anywhere. Because you know me, I'm a little ballsy like that sometimes. And he goes, points his chief of staff, says, hey, get me the chief, please. And they were going to take me out of there in handcuffs. My eyes were scanning the background quickly for the first news truck I could find to give them the scoop and be like, watch this, look at this fascism in action. No, nowhere to be found. So I was like, all right, no cameras. I'm going to leave peaceably rather than leave on my face. But let me tell you, this is one of those things where you got to ask yourself, listen, and that was 2005, 16 years ago. And that was the real deal then. So let me tell you, when Trump is saying these things are going down right now, they're going down. If you haven't seen the videos coming out of Michigan where they were putting paper on the window so people couldn't look inside at the counting, oh boy. So the president, I think, was spot on in saying what he said. Now, all that being said, did he in fact have a message of peace and conciliation? You damn right he did. I want you to listen to this. I know you're pain. I know you're hurt. We had an election that was stolen from us. It was a landslide election, and everyone knows it, especially the other side. But you have to go home now. We have to have peace. We have to have law and order. We have to respect our great people in law and order. We don't want anybody hurt. It's a very tough period of time. There's never been a time like this where such a thing happened where they could take it away from all of us, from me, from you, from our country. This was a fraudulent election, but we can't play into the hands of these people. We have to have peace. So go home. We love you. You're very special. You've seen what happens. You see the way others are treated that are so bad and so evil. I know how you feel. But go home and go home in peace. Is that unambiguous? Go home and go home in peace. Not in pieces. In peace. He wasn't calling for violence. And anybody that suggests otherwise is just not being fair. Now, I realize how easy it is to not be fair. You know why? Because I spend every hour I'm awake researching this stuff, consuming this stuff, on the phone with people in D.C., on the phone with former colleagues of mine in Trenton that may be in new places today, some of which may be in the White House, who knows. I get scoops from all over the place. And I can tell you, this president's never called for violence. He just hasn't. He's called for us to be tough, to be strong, to push back, responsibly, peacefully. But he's never called for violence. He just hasn't. Now, when we come back, I want you to hear what he said about Twitter, and we're going to talk about who was it that actually did call for violence a while back. I'm going to give you a little bit of a flashback. Keep it locked right there. I am Rich Valdez. You're listening to This Is America. This is America. Valdez is with us, former Christie administration official. You worked for Chris Christie, you've been in politics, a lot of public service stuff. Rich Valdez, columnist now with the Washington Times. This is America. This is America. With your host, Rich Valdez. Bienvenido, America. Welcome back. I am Rich Valdez, Valdez with an S on all social media. Make sure you give us a follow, check it out, join the platforms that we're on. And of course, please subscribe to the podcast. It's doing well. A lot of people tell me they appreciate that their children 
enjoy the podcast or, you know, younger adult children. So uh, check it out three times a week, three short 10 minute segments. You can't go wrong. We've been addressing the issues of the day. And of course, uh, this is the day, the first day that we know we have a new president, Joe Biden, as the 46th president of the United States. And in my opinion, that's unfortunate. But I went through eight years of Obama, so I'm sure I can get through at least half a term of Biden, right? Because I think the plan has always been to get Kamala in there. And he even put that out there when he got in and said, hey, I don't know. I'm not promising a second term. Thank you, Joe Biden, for that. Big kudos to Joe El Baboso Biden for not promising two full terms. Now, earlier I talked about uh, who promised violence back in the days out on the Capitol. And I get these emails from JustFacts.com, great, great source of information. And their question of the day is, which of the following people called for armed violence against police officers? And it asks, you know, Trump, Biden, a future New York Times columnist. And bingo, that was the answer. In 2018, the New York Times added Sarah Jong to its editorial board after she made statements like, quote, cops are a-holes, F the police, and oh boy, I sure would fight the cops with my guns. I wonder why black people haven't thought of that. While voicing such rhetoric, multiple people have murdered police officers. Now, when the New York Times hired Jong, the paper's conservative, quote-unquote conservative columnist, Brett Stevens, welcomed her to the paper saying, let he who is without a bad tweet cast the first stone. In his latest column, Stevens claims Trump is wholly, undeniably, and unforgivably responsible for the sacking of the Capitol, even though Trump stated earlier that I know that everyone here will soon be marching over to the Capitol building to peacefully and patriotically make your voices heard. Those are, uh, di- those are direct words from the president peacefully and patriotically. But those in the media, and now I'm talking about social media, they banned those words that he said when he called for peace. He called for peace in that clip we played before, and I want to uh, play you the last sentence of it. Check this out. You've seen what happens. You see the way others are treated that are so bad and so evil. I know how you feel. But go home and go home in peace. Go home and go home in peace. That's exactly what he said. He said, make your voice peacefully and patriotically heard. Yet they want to turn it around at Twitter and the other social media companies. They totally removed that video. You tell me what's wrong with that. Nothing. But they wanted to remove that. And that's why I think he said what he said at that rally when he called out Twitter and those people. Check this out. And just like the radical left tries to blacklist you on social media, every time I put out a tweet, that's even if it's totally correct, totally correct, I get a flag. I get a flag. And they also don't let you get out. You know, on Twitter, it's very hard to come onto my account. It's very hard to get out a message. They don't let the message get out nearly like they should. But I've had many people say, I can't get on your Twitter. I don't care about Twitter. Twitter's bad news. They're all bad news. But you know what? If you want to if you want to get out a message and if you want to go through big tech, social media, they are really if you're a conservative, if you're a Republican, if you have a big voice, I guess they call it shadow ban, right? Shadow ban. They shadow ban you. And it should be illegal. I've been telling these Republicans, get rid of Section 230. And for some reason, Mitch and the group, they don't want to put it in there. And they don't realize that 
That's going to be the end of the Republican Party as we know it, but it's never going to be the end of us. Never. Let them get out. Let let the weak ones get out. This is a time for strength. This is a time for strength. Listen, I'm all for the violence if it was really called for. If Trump said our military turned our back on us, this has turned our back. If Trump was in handcuffs, I'd say, you know what? This is an absolute coup. You've got like in other in countries in South America where the general, the main general says, you know what? I got the military. We're going to take the president out. We're going to lock up the president. That's how they do these dictatorships and they overthrow these uh, regimes and make themselves coup, uh, coup leaders and, and authoritarians and just take the ball and run with it. But that's not the case. Now, I'm not saying we're very far from that in America. I'm not. But I am saying Trump didn't ask me to go there and fight. And he very well could have. Trump has the ability to use the Insurrection Act, to use martial law, to declare war. He can go to Congress and say, I want a declaration of war. Or he can circumvent that and say, I want to do military action without Congress. So many options were available. And he didn't use them. And the reason he didn't use them was because he didn't think that this rose to that occasion. But he did want to do everything in his power to make sure that he got this story out. And you know what? That's why this is so important. It's so important that we do what's right and that we stand up and we read something, know something, rise up against the system. But I don't mean take over the Capitol. But we have to stand for something because if we stand for nothing, we'll fall for anything. That's Hamilton. And the only thing necessary for evil to triumph is for people like you to sit there and do nothing. And again, that doesn't mean storming the Capitol, unless you're invited to do so. But you can do things. We can become poll watchers. We can get involved. We can start a column. We can start a paper. We can start a YouTube channel. You can stand on the street and give out flyers. That's what Paul Revere did. That's what Thomas Paine did. These are the people that, that started America. Hasta la próxima, America. Until next time, I'm Rich Valdez, and this is America. This is America. 